Welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio, where we are changing the way parents talk to their kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe in our rapidly changing world. You are your kid's best source of information and primary example. In these thought-provoking conversations, Robin and her guests seek to improve your relationship skills, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Now, here's your host, Robin LaCrosse. Hello and welcome to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. I'm your host, Robin LaCrosse, and today we are talking about birth control in the zombie apocalypse. It might feel like we are in the middle of a science fiction story right now. We're being invaded by a virus foreign to the human species. It's taking root in our population and has already killed thousands. If you've seen The Walking Dead, you already know that life changed overnight. Kind of like how things have changed around here. Kids are at home. People aren't going to work. Everyone is hunkering down, or at least they should be, while we wait to see how bad it will get. The reports from Italy and Spain are dire, and things look bad in New York City. Louisiana is fast becoming our next hotspot. It's hard to imagine life returning to normal anytime soon. It feels like we are collectively holding our breath while we wait to see what happens. We're hoping that we don't get sick, hoping that this gets under control, wondering if and when widespread testing will be available so that we can truly understand the scope of the problem that we're facing. It's important that we do our part to prevent the hospitals from being overwhelmed. Like you, I have loved ones that I'm worried about. If they get the virus, they're toast. It's not their time to go, and we need to do our part. Fortunately, we don't have zombies walking around trying to bite us, but maybe that would be easier because we could see the danger and run away from it or stab it in the head. Coronavirus is different. We can't see it and it spreads really easily. We're worried about being exposed and infecting our loved ones. We've been introduced to this new concept of social distancing, which my partner makes a good point. We're really being asked to create physical distance between ourselves, not actually cut ourselves off from each other socially. Words matter and shape how we view things. To me, it feels more like we're hunkering down for a snowstorm. It's time to stay off the roads, have supplies for a week or two, know that it will pass, but while it's stormy outside, we're going to have to stay home and get creative on many levels. Things are different now and might not go back to the way they were depending on how things unfold over the next few weeks. While we're hunkered down, we'll have to figure out how to spend this time together. Parents are figuring out how to keep kids doing their schoolwork from home and keep their sanity while they're home 24-7. One thing people will be doing with all this time at home is having more sex. It might be you. It might be your teenager. Either way, it's time to talk about birth control and what to do if you can't get it. Now, whether this is the zombie apocalypse from The Walking Dead, the inability to find supplies during the coronavirus crisis, or simply the GOP's continued assault on women's reproductive rights, this is knowledge that every woman has the right to know and, frankly, should be part of the body of knowledge that is passed down from mother to daughter. As I like to say, this knowledge belongs in your family tree. 
I hate to say it, but there's a high likelihood in nine months from now, we're going to have a bunch of babies being born. It's like after World War II, the soldiers came home and then there was a baby boom. This time around, we're all stuck in our homes, probably for months, because our government does not have a handle on the situation right now. Until we have widespread testing and stop the community spreading of the virus, it's going to be ugly. It's up to us as a global community to step up and do what we can to prevent this virus from taking hold in our population. It doesn't belong here. We need to listen to the doctors and the scientists on how best to fight back. Hanging out at home for a couple weeks doesn't sound so bad. It's a staycation. I don't know about you, but my home is my sanctuary. I like it here. A few weeks doesn't sound so bad. But if we don't get a handle on the situation, it could turn into months. We don't want to find ourselves in a situation a month from now, looking back, realizing we've made a terrible mistake by letting this virus run through our population. Okay, so I'm getting off track here, but I do want to say this. Please take this seriously and stay home. Protect yourself. Pressure our lawmakers to do the right thing and take care of the people. It's time for the social safety net to kick in and catch the people. They've saved the banks. They've saved the auto industry. They've saved the airlines. Now it's time to save American families. Pressure the powers that be to make sure our healthcare workers and first responders are protected and have supplies to do their jobs safely. Pressure companies like Amazon, grocery stores, delivery companies, fast food companies, restaurants, trucking companies, businesses that have been deemed essential services to make sure their workers are protected. We don't want them getting sick. And if they're sick, they need time off and pay so that they can continue to provide for their households without endangering their coworkers. The government has to step up and fill the gaps. This is a scary time and not everyone is taking the threat seriously. So let's do the right thing and keep each other safe. My final question before I go into today's topic I want to know, when can I just go to the store and buy some fucking toilet paper? (laughs) I don't want to hunt all over town. When can I just go shopping and get toilet paper? This is crazy. Okay, so that's my coronavirus rant for today. Let's dive into today's topic, okay? Here we go. So what if you want to have sex and you can't get your birth control? What happens if your store is out of condoms and this is your primary form of birth control? Or what if you're using a form of hormonal birth control that requires a trip to the office to renew it and your doctor has canceled all non-essential procedures and can't place a new Mirena IUD or implant in your arm, for example? Other forms of hormonal birth control may require a prescription and a trip to the pharmacy. You know, if we're in lockdown and everybody around us is sick, you know, you might want to stay home. So now what do you do? This is an uncertain time. It's not like after World War II where it was okay to have a boom of babies. This time around, we really don't know what they will be born into. It could be that in nine months from now, we'll be back to quote-unquote normal, whatever our new normal will be, or it could be that in nine months from now, the last place you want to set foot is a hospital, and there may not be doctors available to deliver your baby. 
not to mention the financial hardship that many families are likely to face as a result of this wide-scale shutdown. We already know that most families can't afford a $400 crisis emergency. Plus, there are so many things that we don't know about this virus. It's only been in humans for three months. For example, we don't actually know if it will impact the early stages of pregnancy. We have no idea. So let's talk about some things that we do know. Studies have shown that 50% of all pregnancies are unintended, meaning that the couple was not trying to get pregnant at the time. Some of these pregnancies are happy surprises. Others, not so much. In these uncertain times, there are many reasons to be mindful of whether or not we allow conception to happen right now. States like Texas and Ohio are using the coronavirus as an opportunity to further limit access to abortion services. One of my goals in life is to prevent unintended pregnancy, and this seems like a really good time to have this conversation. Before we dive in, I'd like to tell you the story of how I came by this information and how it changed my life. I was 20 when I decided I didn't want to put artificial hormones in my body anymore. I was about to leave on a month-long adventure, um, and you never know who you might meet, right? I wasn't in a place in my life where I wanted to get pregnant, and that's when I realized that I had no idea how to protect myself from getting pregnant. I ended up staying on the pill for the duration of my trip, even though I didn't have a partner while I thought about what to do. This was in the days before the internet, and I spent a lot of time at used bookstores, coffee shops, networking, and trading information with other women. One day, I stumbled upon this book called Natural Family Planning, and it was fascinating. It explained how to use the signs and symptoms the female body was sending each month to get pregnant. Now, I wasn't interested in getting pregnant, but the information in that book just blew my mind. I had no idea that my body was doing all of this cool stuff every single month, every cycle. I got sex ed at school. We learned about human reproduction, yet somehow all of this information was left out. Armed with a list of references and a burning desire to know more, I headed to the local university medical library and started researching what the scientists knew about menstruation, the female cycle, conception, and how herbs could be used to increase or decrease fertility. Then I started applying the information I was learning. The first thing I had to do was get off the pill because it's impossible to learn about your cycle when it's being regulated with artificial hormones. As I learned about my cycle and began to learn to tell when I was fertile, it was the most incredible feeling. I felt like every woman should have this information, so I started to share it. I often wondered what it would have been like if my mother had known these things to teach me. I felt like a lot of my trials and tribulations around my sexuality could have been better navigated if I had more information when I was growing up. I wanted to share my experiences so that other women could avoid finding themselves faced with unexpected pregnancies or dealing with sexually transmitted infection. It became my personal PhD in life and my mission to share this information, which is why I support parents in talking to their kids about sex and teach natural birth control methods to couples who 
don't want to use hormones or devices to manage their fertility. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the female cycle, ways to avoid pregnancy if you don't have access to contraception, and ways to prepare for the months ahead so that you can protect yourself and your family. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with the level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back. So what I'd like to do right now is talk a little bit about the female cycle. There are three primary phases in the fertility cycle. The pre-ovulatory phase, ovulation, and the post-ovulatory phase. The fertility cycle is a dance of hormones ebbing and flowing over the course of a monthly cycle. The most obvious part of the female fertility cycle is, of course, menstruation. So let's start there. It's going to be a little bit of a crash course in anatomy and physiology. And I know this will be a little hard to visualize since we're on the radio. But I want to tell you about a webinar that I did that has pictures and diagrams so that you can get a better visual of what's going on. Um, It's at the website, Holistic Sex Ed Radio. You can go over there. I pinned it up to the top of the menu, so it'll be easy to find. I think it'll be really helpful for those of you who want to know more or who have children and want to better explain this to your kids. And sometimes it can be really helpful to have pictures and stuff too, especially as your kids get into like the teenage years and are ready for some of the more detailed and nuanced information. So this is going to get a little bit technical, but just bear with me because we need to lay the foundation so that the rest of the stuff that we're going to be talking about today will make sense. Before we dive in, I 
want to say that there are two scenarios where what I'm about to tell you may not apply. One is for women who are taking hormonal birth control and the other is for women who have irregular or unpredictable cycles or struggle with fertility. If you're struggling with your cycle, I'm going to refer you back to episode four with Susan Weed. Her five herbal allies may be just the thing you've been looking for to help balance things out. So if you struggle with your fertility, I would encourage you to seek out help from a natural practitioner who specializes in women's reproductive health. So it'll help you to move closer to a more balanced cycle more quickly. You'll avoid just throwing darts at the wall while you try to figure things out. So that said, what I'm about to share is how the quote-unquote typical female cycle is expected to behave. There are always exceptions to every rule. So let's start with menstruation since that's the most obvious event in a woman's monthly fertility cycle. We'll call the first day of menstruation day one of the cycle. When menstruation occurs, it's because conception did not happen in that cycle. Menstruation is the result of pregnancy not occurring. This is why women can get pregnant without ever having a period. A perfect example is when women have given birth and then they get pregnant again without ever having a period. It's because ovulation comes first. When menstruation occurs, a woman's reproductive hormones are at the lowest level of her cycle. Menstruation is like the reset button. The menstrual blood washes away the tissue that built up over the previous cycle, and menstruation will last typically five to seven days, but it can vary. So every woman will need to figure out what is normal for her, and you do that by observing your cycle. The first hormone that comes into play at the beginning of the cycle is a hormone called follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH for short, and it comes from the anterior pituitary gland located in the center of the brain. The function of this hormone is to stimulate eggs in the ovaries so that they start to develop. As the egg follicles grow, they produce estrogen. Rising estrogen levels have a profound impact on the female body. Estrogen is the driving hormone behind puberty in girls, causing our bodies to transform. It's a powerful hormone. Estrogen not only affects our bodies, but it also affects our brains. Around the time of ovulation, the increased levels of estrogen help us to feel energetic, outgoing, sexy, alive. If we're engaged sexually, estrogen can sweep us away in the heat of the moment and make us forget to use our birth control. That can be a big problem because when this happens, it usually means that ovulation is right around the corner. And if your intention is not to get pregnant, this can definitely present a problem. And so if you have the urge to blow off your birth control, just be aware that this is probably estrogen talking and you might want to rethink that. I know, I'm sorry, it's a mood killer, blah, 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 however. And this is actually something important that you might want to make your teenagers aware of because teenagers, you know, hormones are pedal to the metal. They need to have this kind of information for sure. In the pre-ovulatory phase, 
This is the, the phase before ovulation occurs. Estrogen thickens and builds up the lining of the uterus. The uterus is a roughly plum-sized muscular organ located in the pelvis behind a woman's bladder at the top of her vagina. The cervix is the lower part of the uterus and extends down into the vagina. The cervix is the gateway to the uterus. Its job is to keep the outside world out, keep the baby in, let the menstrual fluid out, and during fertile times, let the sperm in. And we'll talk about that in just a few more minutes. Once the estrogen levels reach a certain point, the pituitary gland gets the message that it's time to turn down the dial on the follicle-stimulating hormone. Estrogen levels peak, and the anterior pituitary gland releases another hormone called luteinizing hormone, or LH for short. LH causes the most mature egg to finish ripening while suppressing all of the other egg follicles. This causes a drop in the estrogen levels. This happens in the span of about 24 hours. LH levels spike, the most mature egg ripens, estrogen levels start to taper off, and the chosen egg bursts forth out of the egg follicle. The fallopian tube is waiting nearby and has these tiny finger-like projections that gently sweep the egg inside the fallopian tube so that it can be at the right place at the right time for fertilization to occur if some sperm happen to be present. So now that the egg has been launched successfully and is safely inside the fallopian tube, the ovary is left with an injury. There's a hole where the egg used to be and something peculiar happens. The injury begins to transform and secrete a hormone called progesterone. The injury left behind actually has a name. It's called the corpus luteum, and its job is to secrete progesterone until one of two things happen, either menstruation or conception. Progesterone plays a very important role in the post-ovulatory phase of the fertility cycle, so after ovulation. Its primary purpose is to make the uterus a perfect place for a fertilized egg to implant. So over the next week or so after ovulation, progesterone levels rise and the uterus gets ready just in case. If fertilization does not occur, the corpus luteum heals over and progesterone levels begin to decline. Without enough progesterone to support it, the uterine lining starts to break down. First, water is released from the cells, and women may notice an increase in moisture in the vaginal area before menstruation begins. That can be a helpful sign to let women know that it's coming. Progesterone levels continue to drop. Menstruation begins washing away the excess tissue and preparing for the new cycle. If fertilization does occur, it triggers a whole new chain of events. As soon as a fertilized egg makes contact with the uterine lining, a new hormone enters the picture, human chorionic gonadotropin, HCG. This is the hormone that pregnancy tests measure. This hormone alerts the body that there's magic afoot. 
the corpus luteum goes into high gear and keeps producing progesterone because without it, the pregnancy can't continue and would likely be washed away unnoticed in the menstrual blood. The corpus luteum will need to produce enough progesterone over the next three months to sustain the pregnancy until the placenta can take over. This is one of the functions of HCG. Okay, now that you have a basic understanding of what happens during the female fertility cycle, let's add a new layer of information. Let's talk about cervical fluids. Inside the cervix, there's these little glands that produce cervical mucus and channels that it flows down and out of the cervix. During non-fertile times, these fluids are thick, sticky, often whitish in color. There's not a lot of it, but it will often collect in the opening of the cervix to form a barrier to keep stuff out of the uterus that doesn't belong, like sperm. During non-fertile times of the cycle, the vagina itself has a very low pH level. It's considered an acidic environment. This low pH level is essential for vaginal health. It kills pathogens and sperm don't live very long. As estrogen levels increase, the consistency of the cervical fluids changes. And so it'll become, it'll start to be more clear. It'll become more stretchy, more watery, uh, until it becomes very supportive and helpful to the sperm. Fertile cervical fluids, or mucus as it's sometimes called, are more alkaline in nature and actually help the sperm to survive. Instead of blocking the sperm, it actually helps the sperm find their, their way inside the cervix, where they're safe from the hostile environment of the vagina. It's like the cervical fluids open the door to the cervix and invite the sperm right inside. Now they get to kick back and wait around for the egg to arrive. Depending on the health of the sperm and the quality of the cervical fluid will determine how long the sperm can survive. Three to five days is average, but some sperm are very healthy and can survive for up to a week if conditions are right. So it's very important to keep sperm out of and away from the vagina before ovulation occurs. It's also important to know that menstrual fluid can act in similar ways to cervical fluids, making it easier for sperm to survive. Once inside the cervix, sperm can swim around in the uterus and up the fallopian tubes. It's a lucky sperm that finds a newly released egg in the fallopian tube. The egg is only capable of fertilization for 12 to 24 hours. Once the egg is fertilized, it makes its way down the fallopian tube and implants on the uterine wall about five days later. That's when the hormone HCG kicks in and can be measured by a home pregnancy test a few days before menstruation would have normally arrived. Which brings us to an important question. How do you know when menstruation will arrive? This can really be a challenge, especially for young girls who are just getting to know their cycle. When we come back from this commercial break, we're going to talk about the timing of ovulation and how it impacts menstruation and why ovulation may not happen when you think. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back.
It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with the level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Hey everyone, welcome back. Let's talk a little bit about the timing of ovulation and how it impacts menstruation. As we already discussed, ovulation comes first in the hormonal chain of events. What's important to know is that life's circumstances can impact ovulation, causing the body to push it off until a time that is more conducive. If you have a lot of stress, if you have very low body weight or very low fat levels like an athlete, if you're traveling or sick, the body may decide that now is not the best time to release an egg and delay ovulation. This is why not all late periods are due to pregnancy. Many women estimate when they will get their period. It's helpful to know when to carry supplies to address the flow when it appears. For many, this is an educated guess as to when to expect menstruation. When menstruation doesn't show up as expected, it can be very stressful if you're not trying to get pregnant and you're sexually active. There can be many reasons why menstruation is quote-unquote late, but is it really late? Most women don't know when they ovulate. Research has shown that most women menstruate 12 to 14 days after ovulation occurs. So this is pretty consistent. However, ovulation isn't set in stone and it can change. So when ovulation has been delayed, then perhaps the body is right on schedule when menstruation isn't showing up when we expect it to. It's just us who is off on our prediction that our body knows exactly what it's doing. 
So let's talk about estimated guesses and fertility. The rhythm method and many period tracker apps are estimated guesses based on menstrual history. People using this method are using the law of averages to make reproductive decisions. In my opinion, it doesn't seem very wise to make educated guesses when it comes to avoiding pregnancy. There are some science-based apps out there that can help with tracking your cycle, but we're not going to get into them today. Um, and, and besides, in the zombie apocalypse, there might not be any electricity. So what are you going to do if your cell phone doesn't work? I like to teach my clients how to do this the old-fashioned way so that they can learn the techniques so that they are making their own decisions rather than relying on an app to tell them what to do. One of the main problems with using an educated guess is that even women who have very regular cycles can have an out-of-the-ordinary cycle. These methods can't compensate for the curveball that your body throws you unexpectedly. And that's why the rhythm method has a very high failure rate. As I mentioned earlier, I spent a lot of time in the medical libraries researching to see what scientists knew about the female cycle. And so there was some scientifically based methods that were being used that I was able to use myself. So one of them is the basal body temperature method, which is a very common method and has been around for a very long time. Another method is observing the changes that happen at the cervix. Another method is observing the changes in cervical fluids. There's a few other little methods, but these three methods that I just mentioned, um, the cervical observation, basal body temperature, and the cervical fluids are three really great ways to monitor your fertility if you have interest in learning how to avoid conception using these natural methods. Each of them has their strengths. The basal body temperature method is perhaps the best way to confirm that ovulation actually happened. Now, something that's important to know about the fertility cycle is that once ovulation happens, you are not fertile for the rest of the cycle. So the way that the fertility cycle works is we have menstruation, which generally is not fertile. However, sometimes, depending on the length of your cycle, some women might be fertile during this time. The menstrual fluid can also create a situation that allows sperm into a safer area, into the cervix and uterus, where they can perhaps lie and wait, waiting for ovulation to occur. And again, depending on how long, when exactly ovulation occurs, will determine whether or not there was enough time left before you uh, started protecting yourself to prevent sperm from being in the vagina waiting for that egg. So for my clients, what I tell them to do is once menstruation starts, no unprotected sex until you have absolutely positively confirmed that ovulation did happen. And the best way to do that is to chart the basal body temperature and wait until ovulation has been confirmed as happened. 
So how the basal body temperature method works is that it's recording your resting body temperature. And so you're sleeping at night, you have the thermometer, a digital thermometer next to your bed. It needs to read a tenth of a degree. You wake up, preferably the same time every day, put the thermometer in your mouth, record the temperature. This is your resting basal body temperature. And then you put it on a chart and you watch the trend over time. When ovulation has occurred, progesterone levels increase as we discussed previously. Progesterone has the effect of raising the body temperature slightly. Now these are tenths of a degree, so it's very minor. However, when you are charting your daily resting body temperature, your basal body temperature, you can very easily see this change. Now again, Women who have irregular cycles, different story. It's going to have to be a conversation for a different day. But for women who have regular cycles and ovulate, you know, regularly, this, this is very easy to tell when ovulation has occurred. And for some of my clients, I've even coached them on how to use this as a um, kind of a like an emergency way of kind of determining where you are in your cycle to see like do I need to use emergency contraceptives you know like where am I in my cycle for you know different reasons so it can be a useful way of gathering information. The cervical mucus as we discussed previously changes over the course of the fertility cycle so during the peak times of fertility, it's going to be very conducive to supporting pregnancy. In the latter half of the cycle, when we're non-fertile, it's going to be not as much cervical mucus available. And as I mentioned before, it's going to be, you know, thick, sticky. It's going to be more of a barrier to the sperm than it will be helping them to get inside the uterus. I do recommend that my clients be the observer, the fly on the wall, as they are charting and recording their symptoms as they're observing. I do stress that they just be the observer for several months, a minimum of three. If they're doing it on their own, you know, figuring it out, then I recommend people, you know, do more like four months, you know, kind of thing, a little bit longer. When you work with somebody, it can really shorten your learning curve. The third method is cervical observation. And this method requires a little more commitment and some tools. If what it is, is you're basically observing your cervix every day of the month. It's really amazing to see the changes that your cervix goes through in the pre-ovulatory phase as ovulation is approaching and then how quickly things change after ovulation occurs and the body moves into the non-fertile phase. It's just incredible. I spent a couple years observing my cervix and it was just the most amazing experience. So this can also be incorporated in and yield a lot of very valuable information for people who want to manage their fertility in a more natural way. It takes a little bit more effort isn't necessary. People can do it through the basal body temperature, through the mucus observation. For me personally, 
the basal body temperature method didn't mesh very well with my lifestyle. And so what I ended up doing was the cervical observation instead because I didn't have to rely on a, taking my temperature at a certain time of day. So there's more than one way to manage your fertility and it's really about understanding your body and the tools that are available to you. So let's talk a little bit about the tools that are available. So natural birth control methods, there's different definitions of this. Some people feel like it's anything that is not hormonal birth control. And I think I'm going to use that loose definition of it. So natural methods could include using condoms, could include using, say, like a copper IUD. You know, whatever it takes to create a method that works well for you. And I found that, you know, I experimented with all of the different methods over the years. Once I got off the pill when I was 20, I never went back to hormonal birth control. But I did experiment with all of the other varieties that were out there. With the last one that I finally um, tried was a copper IUD. So when I was 40, I got the copper IUD. I knew that menopause would be approaching here at some point. And I figured that if I had the IUD, I wouldn't have to worry so much about like what my cycle was doing if it got, you know, wonky, you know, as the years went by. And actually, it's been a really amazing, wonderful experience. I really enjoyed having the IUD. It was a good experience for me. So let's see. Um, so tools other tools that are important to have on hand um, especially in the zombie apocalypse would be emergency contraception so emergency contraception you can get at the drugstore it is available over the counter depending on where you live um, and the stigma that is attached to emergency contraceptives it may or may not be difficult to find. So it's always good to have something like this on hand before you need it because time is of the essence. If you have a condom that breaks or you got swept away in the heat of the moment, which we just had that conversation, so hopefully you won't allow that to happen. But if a condom breaks or you know something like that happens, then you have the emergency contraceptives on hand. And like I said, they're most effective when you take them right away they can be used up to five days after exposure to sperm but every day that goes by the chances of them working decrease so time is of the essence a copper iud can also be used as emergency contraceptive if implantation has not occurred yet and so if you're charting your cycle if you know when ovulation occurred and you're then you can figure out, you know, when conception may be occurred, when implantation might occur. And there can be up to 10 days where a copper IUD could be effective. Typically, they say five days. But for example, if you had unprotected sex, you know, five days before ovulation, then ovulation occurred. There's another five days before implantation actually occurs. So, Based on a timeline like that, you know, 10 days away from 
when exposure to sperm happened, you know, you could still use a copper IUD, but you would have to have that extra information and know what's going on with your cycle in order for that scenario to work. Because once implantation occurs, then it's not going to work. When we come back from this commercial break, we are going to talk about what to do if you can't find birth control. All right, stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you sick of condoms? Does hormonal birth control make you feel sick? Does it cause you to gain weight or kill your sex drive? Do you wish there was a better way to manage your fertility that didn't involve putting artificial hormones in your body? There is a better way, and I've been using it successfully to manage my fertility for over 25 years. It starts with a greater understanding of the female body and a deep dive into exploring your own body and cycle to discover what is normal for you. In my online course, you'll learn about the female cycle and natural birth control methods. I'll teach you my fertility freedom formula so that you'll know how to successfully apply this information to provide you with the level of protection you need to feel comfortable to engage sexually without fear of getting pregnant or getting a sexually transmitted infection. Visit HolisticSexEdRadio.com to find out more. That's HolisticSexEdRadio.com. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But don't forget to make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Want to go deeper into this conversation? Visit us on the web at HolisticSexEdRadio.com. Now back to Robin LaCrosse. Welcome back. So what do you do if you can't find birth control? Well, you can just say no, but that's not really practical or very helpful advice. You can find other ways to give pleasure that don't put you at risk for pregnancy. I mean, there are lots of ways to build intimacy and give pleasure. You could watch a tantra video, you could practice eye gazing, you could trade massages, you could try different things in the bedroom that don't involve activities where conception could occur. Now, I don't really recommend this as a method of birth control, but withdrawal can be very useful as a tool to help reduce the risk of conception, especially when combined with other methods. So if somebody happens to be familiar with their cycle and, you know, charting and know that they are fertile at that time, they could practice withdrawal versus allowing the male partner to ejaculate and that would reduce the risk. However, that is a risky behavior and I wouldn't necessarily recommend my clients do that. For someone that had, say, for example, a 
copper IUD. A copper IUD allows you to tell when you're fertile, you cycle like normal. The copper just interferes with pregnancy. And so what you could do is you could use withdrawal to help further reduce the risk of pregnancy occurring when you know that you're fertile and you happen to be using a copper IUD. That's what I did. I had a copper IUD starting in my 40s. And at the time, I was with a partner who had a hard time ejaculating due to medications that he was on. And so what we would do is during my fertile times, we would practice withdrawal in addition to having the IUD in place just to help make it more effective. I didn't want to take any chances. Withdrawal could also be used in conjunction with condoms or in other people have used it in combination with hormonal birth control. You know, if the sperm isn't there, then that is automatically going to reduce the chances of pregnancy occurring. But it's not something that I would rely on to prevent pregnancy on a regular basis. So what about teenagers? Are these methods appropriate for teens? Well, I am a proponent. I do believe that all young girls, all young women should grow up knowing and understanding their body to this degree, 100%. However, this is not an appropriate method of contraception for a teenager because there is a learning curve and it's very important to have a good understanding. And I do recommend, you know, getting coaching, having guidance, having a mentor to help guide you and lead you through the process of learning your cycle and answering your questions. And so this is not appropriate for teens, but I do believe it is essential education for teenagers. Now, parents can help protect their teens by keeping condoms on hand. Condoms are super important to prevent sexually transmitted diseases. And condoms are very difficult for teenagers to get their hands on. One, they need to buy them. They may not have the money. Two, they have to go to the store to do it. Three, a lot of times condoms are kept under lock and key because people don't have money and they steal them. And so now... In order for a teenager to get condoms, they have to go to the store, they have to find transportation, they have to find money, and then they have to ask the store clerk to unlock the case and make their selection and then go through the checkout, which luckily nowadays we have, um, you know, self-pay checkout that you don't have to face the cashier, but in the past... And in a lot of places still, you have to go through the checkout process in order to go home with the condom. So it's a very daunting process for a teenager. So parents can help protect their teens by ordering condoms online, by going out and buying condoms. Keep a bunch of condoms in the bathroom, in the drawer. If it looks like they're like being used and going down, go buy more. You know, don't make the kids feel self-conscious. Make them available. You know what? Maybe the kids are going to spread them around the neighborhood. Great. You know, if you're supplying the kids in the neighborhood with condoms, awesome. You're doing a great job in keeping the kids safe. You know, making condoms accessible is super, 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 super important for teenagers. I can't stress that enough. 
I also like the idea of long-term user error-proof forms of contraception, like an IUD. I don't really love the hormonal forms of contraception. I mean, yeah, they, they work. My mom put me on them, and I'm glad she did. It served the purpose. You know, I made it through my teenage years without getting pregnant. That is super, super important. So anything you can do to protect your teen from being placed in a situation where they have to choose whether they, you know, are going to give birth to a baby when they're a teenager, when they're a child themselves. Like if you can avoid that situation, please do it, you know, and it's not that hard. We just need to make sure that kids have access to contraception. The majority of teenagers don't want to be pregnant either. So making contraceptives available will go a long ways to help preventing teen pregnancy. So how do you talk to your teenager about all this stuff? I recommend getting a copy of my PowerPoint. <laughs> you know, use the resources that I have available on my website. Educate yourself. Feel more comfortable. Get a deeper understanding of your own body. And it will make it easier for you to have these important conversations with your kids. I know it can be challenging. We didn't have good role models to educate us about our bodies. But, you know, it's time to break the cycle. The information is out there. The scientists know I've made this information available to you. It's out there. It's time for this information to be in your family tree, for you to pass it on to your children. A big part of this whole process is self-discovery, and you will have the opportunity to find out what is normal for you. Nobody knows your body better than you do. I had this sweet little ritual the first day of my cycle every month. I would sit down and do my little charts. I had this really cool moon cycle chart, and I got to see, like, all of the different moon phases. It was just, it was a lot of fun. Anyway, on my webinar, I tell you all about that stuff. It's really great. I'm out of time for today. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope that you have enjoyed learning this information and are curious to learn more because there is so much more. The female body is truly amazing. So go on over to my website, Holistic Sex Ed Radio, and look for the information on the female cycle. Check it out, share it. And if you want to learn more, I have the home study course there for you. So have a great day. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Holistic Sex Ed Radio. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us today. While these conversations may be difficult at times, the rewards are well worth it. We have the power to change the world by what we teach our kids. Join host Robin LaCrosse next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another thought-provoking conversation. Thank you and have a beautiful day.